And await no longer. Greatness has arrived. Welcome to the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I am your host, a.k.a. Mr. Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. Of course, you can listen to this show wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube at Badbit Games. Like if you're live right now, you're doing right at this point in time. And if you like what you hear, please, please, please rate us a five-star review on iTunes. Trust me, you got time. And if you really, really, really like us, you could drop us a buck at patreon.com slash badbit. But since we have Patreon paused, please, please, please throw that buck to a local charity because I know they're really going to need it like Save the Kids. So with all that said, with all that out of the way, the greatest co-host whoever is and whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, and I can't wait for you to hear my audio, because I left you a little song while my mic was muted. Oh, yeah? For the intro. Oh, yeah, you're going to love it. Oh, God. <laughs> and again, um, we're recording live, and I got to tell you right now, that was a first time. Like, usually it takes me a second or two to get the intro down, and I didn't know recording live, there's so many little buttons you got to do by just starting the intro. So I was winging it halfway through. And then I started reading the intro, and I gotta say, I think I nailed it, Kyle. I think you I, did. Thank you so, so much. One of the best ones uh, we've had in a while. There you go. There you go. It's all because of Shoe. And with us this week, because we decided to bring on more guests onto the show, Stephen Weber from Glitchpoint. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to get the show rolling. And before we start, because I didn't do this last week, and I felt awful for literally a whole week. Who are you? What do you do? Why should people listen to you? Yeah, sure. So I am the host of a podcast called Speedrun. Uh, it's a daily, every weekday news show for video games, and it presents all of the news for the day in 10 minutes or less. So after I get through the news stories, I kind of talk about them a little bit, give some of my insights, and then wrap up the show within 10 minutes. Uh, it's all under the Glitchpoint umbrella, which right now only has one podcast, but you can follow me at Steve on Twitter or at Glitchpoint as well. Both are posting about the show. Yeah, and I got to th thank you for your patience, by the way, because we've had this plan for like, I don't know, since February. And it's just been pretty hectic and crazy. And so thank you for, for again, just reaching out and continuing to hammer me because I would have forgotten and felt awful because that happens literally all the time. And you do really great work. So please, please, please go over to Glitchpoint, give him a subscribe, rate him as well a good five stars because how you do it in 10 minutes or less, sometimes the news is whatever, right? Sometimes yeah. it's slow. Sometimes it's whatever. But sometimes like you're able to break down the news in such a, a bite-sized manner and get that point across and that is, to me, the hardest thing to do, whether you're making a YouTube video or you're making a podcast, is how do I edit myself to make sure that I'm the most concise and clear, and you're able to do that incredibly well. And this is just the start for you. So you're on the right path, my man. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Sometimes it's, it's harder to uh, actually lengthen things. Oftentimes there's not enough news to cover 10 minutes. Exactly. Um, and so I find it hard to, to actually fill the time some days. But well, this, yeah, I'm excited. Let me tell you, this, this episode, way more than 10 minutes. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of <laughs> yeah. time to fill. So with that, before we even start this show, of course, before we even square up the news, I want to talk about what you've been playing. I want to go to my main man, Kyle. Kyle, hey. what have you been playing, dude? Uh, well, uh, I'm not going to take long here because what I've been playing has been uh, a whole episode we recorded last night with Mr. Luke Lore. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's Doom Eternal. Um, 
beat that game twice now. Uh, one full on through, and then I did extra life mode uh, completely. Uh, so now all I need are the multiplayer trophies, and I will join Mr. Badbit in the Platinum Club. Ooh, um, it's going to happen. It is, uh, it is a super fun game, but it definitely has some of its shortcomings and yeah. issues, which we've talked all about in the episode, so I won't go too too far into it. But uh, it is it is a must-buy for anyone that enjoys shooters, for sure. Yeah. For, like, just, just to pimp out that show, again, patreon.com slash badbit. It's free for everyone um, because of the situation. So please go ahead, take a good hard listen to it, because... I think it's 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 some viewpoints that you're not hearing about the game that you should be. And I I was super proud of walking away from that episode thinking that this was one of the best or better Road to Greatness shows that we've done. Uh, with how, how young the show is, I feel like we're already on a path that I, I'm really digging. So go ahead, listen to that. Again, Luke, Luke and you absolutely killed it that episode. Uh, for me, I'm just going to be very brief. Very dang brief. Um, it's not a PlayStation game. It's it is something far worse and far more nefarious. <laughs> Last week I was making fun of Kyle. I was making fun of Trevor because you sure Animal were. Crossing stupid. And now I'm owing a raccoon hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Who keeps sending me messages like, "What's up with the eggs, man? How do I do the eggs? How do I find the tarantulas?" Kyle, help me out. Dude. What do I do with the boulders? How do I get iron? (laughs) I literally am bothering you, and I feel so bad for Fiona, because you two are the ones that are like, how do I do anything? Because, like, Fiona brought me to her little town, and I swear to God, it's like Whenever I see other people's islands, I feel, I get island envy. Yeah. My island is so inadequate compared to everyone else's. Dude, it's, like, trust me, you haven't been to mine. Mine is, like... The island's okay. Like, you can see where I have an idea, but then you enter my house, and then it's just, like, an episode of Hoarders. Like, there's just shit lying everywhere. Yeah, I have a room where I just drop all my stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Same here, and it's the living room. So you enter, and you're like, what the fuck? But I gotta tell you, you know, I I haven't touched my Switch much in the past year. This thing's got me me hooked. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing I'm playing until Resident Evil 3, which... I'll be talking about my brief impressions of that game uh, later on the show, which I'm fucking loving, by the way. But yeah, that's it. I owe a raccoon a lot of money, and I don't know <laughs> what I have to do. Sexual favors, perhaps? Absolutely. <sighs> to pay oh, <laughs> that son of a bitch back. Steve, what have you been playing, my man? Well, what a time to hop into the chat for that little sound <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah, right? <laughs> Bounce it right over to me, too. <laughs> um, I have been kind of bouncing around between a few games. Uh, Doom Eternal, mostly. Uh, I've been kind of stretching that one out. I got through about half the game in the first two days, and so I decided to kind of hit the brakes on that, slow down a bit, make it last a little longer. And then uh, I've been playing some Call of Duty Warzone with some nice. of my coworkers that I no longer see every day. And Bloodroots <laughs> in spare time. Hell yeah. Um, nice. Just kind of here and there, popping through some levels. So yeah, I will say Doom Eternal. Your, Kyle was noting some of the uh, shortcomings. I think the biggest shortcoming of the game are those multiplayer trophies. Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. was just looking at them like, oh man. Well, Steve. So here's what we'll do. All right. After the show, we'll get each other's PS and ID, whatever, and we will literally schedule a day where I'll help you guys farm the multiplayer stuff because you can do it in a pri- yeah you could do it in a private match. It's not a awesome. it's not a huge deal. Yeah. So with that, gang. It's time 
to square up the news. Usually we have the Patreon pitch, but you know what? I'll do that. I'll do it anyway. So Patreon, patreon.com slash badbit. You could have supported me or Kyle. We've put it on pause at this very point in time because money's tight around the world. Everybody's affected by it. So we, we want to make sure that you guys and gals are having yourselves and your families in your mind before us instead please 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 throw that money if you do have any at your local charities at your local food banks because it's going to help a lot of people in need i always say save the children because it's the easiest and it's 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 seriously who doesn't want to help kids in need i don't know evil people probably but you could be like our gold supporter robbie bobby miller himself the silver plus tier members ray martinez jb the purple monkey himself again everybody who has supported us Thank you so much who continue to support us. Thank you so much. And by the way, everything on Patreon right now for the next two months, completely free. So go ahead, check out that Doom Eternal stuff. And now, yes, along uh, with the other Roads of Greatness and top tier episodes. So freaking good. I'm really proud of what we've done so far on that site. For sure. It's time to square up the news, though. Let's square it up. Uh, First news story comes from Joe Scrubbles at IGN. Bethesda will not hold a digital replacement for its E3 show. Bethesda will not be broadcasting a digital showcase in June, despite the cancellation of E3, meaning the developer-publisher can't hold its traditional press conference this year. Pete Hines tweeted, Given the many challenges we're facing due to the pandemic, we will not host a digital showcase in June. We have lots of exciting things to share about our games and look forward to telling you more in the coming months. End quote. It marks a very different approach from the company's competitors. The likes of Microsoft, Ubisoft, and more have said that they're exploring how to hold digital replacements for their E3 keynotes. The news arrives a day after Bethesda canceled QuakeCon 2020 due due to be that show's 25th anniversary. And to continue on to that story as well, this comes from Matthew Hatteran from gamesindustry.biz. I'm so sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, It says that Gamescom to be held at least in digital form, Gamescom is significantly expanding its digital presence for 2020 ahead of a crucial review in May that will determine whether the physical show can go ahead in August. In a joint statement released today, the uh, the venue in Germany uh, Industry Association Game gave their clearest indication so far that the physical Gamescom event is in doubt, with the two entities said that an evaluation will be made in mid-May about whether Gamescom will take place in Cologne in August. Uh, If an on-site event is possible, there will be more information uh, at the stage with regard to which changes need to be made to fully ensure the health of all visitors in a statement read. This has been arranged with the largest exhibitors. Therefore, all Gamescom plans are continuing at full speed. In the view of the Corona crisis, we are now expanding all digital formats at full speed so that Gamescom 2020 can take place at least digitally in any case. So with that, that's a lot of reading and that's why I don't read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went to the kids can't read good uh, school and it did not go well in my favor. Uh, With Pete Hines saying that Bethesda is no longer holding a digital E3 event and Gamescom seems to be again, right in front of the news saying, Hey, we're preparing a digital vision of this show. To me, what fascinates me is not what either of these folks are saying, but rather the silence from the ESA itself about E3 at this very moment. So guys, this is the second company 
to kind of bow out this year, right? What does this say about E3's digital venue if already there is a uh, huge presence that being Bethesda saying, you know what, guys, I'm out. It's been fun, but we're going to do something different. Does that speak to the vision of whatever E3 is planning digitally? Or does that say that Bethesda wants to do something smaller with more focus? I'm going to go with you, Steve. Yeah, so, I mean, we haven't heard too much about E3's digital plans, really. So it definitely could speak to discussions Bethesda's had with them behind the scenes and them kind of not agreeing with their vision. Maybe they don't want to be pigeonholed to it. Uh, But, you know, I think E3 is probably going to be struggling to get people to kind of fit under their umbrella when companies could just do their digital presentation whenever. Uh, I don't know why they would do it under the E3 umbrella, what benefit that necessarily provides them. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a really good point is like why at this point, if everything is going to be digital, why have a literal week where everybody's having their own digital event? It doesn't really make any sense at that point. Might as well, like for me, I think this gives Bethesda a lot of flexibility of going, listen, we don't have to fill an hour of like ESO talk. Instead, we can have something directed at the ESO community, and that would be a whole lot better for us. Or like talking about um, what's their Tokyo game called? Ghostwire. Ghostwire. There you go. Yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. Having just a whole thing, an unveiling of, hey, this is Ghostwire Tokyo. Here's our vision. Here's what the game's going to look like. Uh, Or whatever their future games are going to look and feel like. And maybe that also means that they're able to shop around to, let's just say, a, uh, a Microsoft or a Sony to say, hey, gang, here's our games. Want to put them in a state of play or uh, inside Xbox? Here, here you go. Uh, you have the Arcane Studio game too, right? Yeah, for, Deathloop. Deathloop. Yeah. There you go. What does this say to you? Does this speak to the state of E3 that maybe they were solely planning on a physical event? Things happened, and now they're kind of scrambling. Yeah, I just like Steve said. I I have no idea why any company would say, "Hey, ESA, let's do something together digitally." Like why? Why not just do it on your own, right? Yeah. You're, you will have your fan base flock to whatever digital event it will be anyway. So just post it on your YouTube channel, your Twitch channel, whatever. Have a blog post, just all that. Like it, it just makes more sense to just do it internally and not go out to this uh, to the ESA, which has proven it's been really bad at handling things. And so that's like, why, yeah. like, I got to give a huge shout out to the uh, to the Gamescom folks for coming out ahead of this, going. Listen, we are going to reevaluate things mid-May, and then whatever the case may be, we have something slated. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have a, a backup plan, which seems more and more like the real plan <laughs> yeah. at this point in time. Uh, I got a question, and I'll throw this back to Kyle. Mm-hmm. If everything settles and Game Gamescom is able to go as as usual, do you think people are going to be w- willing to go? Are they going to be hesitant? How are those crowds going to look like? Oh man, um, it's it's hard for me to say, seeing as how people still I feel like are not taking it seriously in our neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, so I could, I would only assume that people will still go to this thing, but I would also like to think that the government might even step in, like, hey, listen, you can't do this. Right, like it's not wise. Like I'm, I'm shocked that they haven't already even spoken to them, or who knows, maybe they have. Yeah, just be like, hey, doing a 
a huge event with as a lot of people packed in because I've seen videos of Gamescom. It is usually packed. Yeah, I think it's like hundreds brim. of thousands of people. Yeah, there. like uh, it, it's just not super smart. Yeah, uh, to do so. But like, and I'll throw this over to Steve. Do you think if they're able to have a a presence, if they're having a physical event, could this be a resident? Uh, not resident. Could this could this be big for Gamescom as we can maybe look to Gamescom as the quote unquote new E three as the replacement for E three twenty twenty or well, E three in general? Sorry. No, yeah, Game, Gamescom's had a lot of really big announcements over the last few years, and it's been certainly rising in popularity for publishers to make big announcements there. Uh, if there is a physical presence, and assuming that publishers and the console makers do want to send their staff there at that time, I think it could be big. You know, some of those delayed E3 announcements might head there if they aren't already made in, you know, publisher-specific videos like Bethesda right. might be doing. Uh, it could be really big as a resurgence for the industry as a whole and for increasing the popularity of Gamescom. Yeah. And I just feel like the way that they've been handling it so far is just the mirror opposite of of uh, of how the ESA is handling E3. It's just like, hey, we're being upfront, honest of what could happen. We're not trying to hype you up. And if any of you bought tickets or are interested, we're going to give you a refund anyway. So don't worry. We know what's up. We're not trying to be ignorant about it. We're trying to be respectful. And we're trying to get a handle on, on, on the situation. I think you're 100% right, Kyle. It is like this dance of whatever Angela Merkel says is going to be the thing that's going to fly with them. You know, if, if the, if the chancellor's like, let's go, let's do this, then they're, they're going to be all, you know, they're going to be all for it. But if she's just like, no, it's still not good. And we're not going to risk it for the biscuit. Then of course, I think they're going to pull out. And I think with Jeff Keeley being there as well, producing their events, I think they already have that leg up on mm-hmm. what is, I, I feel like looking at it, the competition, it also kind of goes to show, and maybe one of you guys want to jump in here, but it kind of shows uh, how developers are not ready to make the switch over to digital. Like it's to me, you know, it takes, I would think way more than just two months to make a digital format of how you want the show to be without making it feel like a cheap, you know, event. I mean, just take a look at the road to PS5 video with the, yeah, the, the mannequins <laughs> in front <laughs> or Mark Cerny's victims, whoever. Hey, the screensaver graphics. Hey, dude. such an odd looking presentation so weird steve (laughs) yeah well i mean i think some publishers are better set up than others bethesda i think in 2017 did their presentation was like the bethesda land presentation that was like 95 percent of video i think pete Mm -hmm. hines came out at the beginning started the video and then came out at the end Mm -hmm. uh so i obviously those things take months to plan and execute which is probably why they backed out of e3 they could be facing delays too and they don't want to necessarily talk about stuff quite yet that's a good yeah. point. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think EA last year did one where it was very much a conversation with developers. And so, so a company like that, EA has a lot of resources they could throw at a video, but they haven't had as much experience as necessarily like a Bethesda would. Yeah, I think actually that's a that's a terrific point. It's like we don't know what's happening internally at Bethesda when it when it comes to their dev teams and how they're handling working at home. You know, that's a that's a huge shift that a company has to take and how efficient people are going to be at their house is another thing entirely. Cause I know for me, uh, spoiler alert, it's not looking well. <laughs> <laughs> 
So with that, uh, any any final comments as we go into the next story? No? No, no? I, nope. I, I think I'm good. I just, I, I think this is just speeding up the process of having just digitally things like in the future. Like if they're already thinking like it's not happening this year, yeah. they're obviously probably planning for a later time. But sure. I do like how proactive Gamescom yeah. at least is being about Absolutely. like, Hey, listen, like we're going to get in front of this and we're going to own this digital thing. If it, if it comes down the line that that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, how about you read hey. the next story on the list? Sure. Chris Pereira from GameSpot writes, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2's campaign remaster now live on PS4. Following a series of leaks, the remastered campaign for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is out now on PS4 for $20. There was no advanced official word from Activision. This was seemingly meant to be a surprise release, but that was spoiled in a number of ways, including the full campaign being published on YouTube before the game went live. It's available first on PS4 and will release on Xbox One and PC on April 30th. As noted above, this remaster consists solely of the campaign. There's no multiplayer functionality, presumably in part to avoid siphoning players away from uh, from the likes of 2019's Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Call of Duty Warzone. Buying the remaster entitles you to the free underwater demo Team Classic Ghost Bundle for use in, co- in Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Warzone. It consists of several cosmetics and more. The UT... UDT Ghost Operator skin, based on the Modern Warfare 2 campaign level, the only easy way, only easy date was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Two we- two weapon blueprints, a weapon charm, finishing move, a voice quip, animated calling card, emblem, and two battle pass tier skins. First off, uh, I feel attacked when it goes the level. The only easy day was yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel personally attacked, and I want an apology. Um, Question, and I'm gonna go to Kyle on this one. Mm-hmm. Twenty bucks, single player campaign. You think it's worth it? You think it's overpriced? I mean, they give you some cool things. What do you yeah. think about it? I think twenty bucks is great for a single player campaign. Mm. Um, when you look at what the game is with multiplayer included, so that means they value multiplayer at forty dollars. Uh, yeah. If it's based at sixty bucks, I think that's a twenty bucks is a good price for a single player campaign and i never finished uh modern warfare 2's campaign what is it probably like eight hours oh sh- way shorter than that probably yeah, five it's about six. six five yeah. about six yeah. all right that's still that's still pretty good like we we see um i mean we'll get into it uh later but i've heard some of the previews of resident evil 3 it's around the same same time frame yeah. that some people are, are finishing that so i think 20 bucks is, is fine for a single player campaign yeah what's say you steve uh, I agree. I actually did pick it up yesterday. Modern Warfare 2 oh, is a very nostalgic nice. game for me. Same. It was like the first game I ever went to a midnight opening for and everything. Nice. Obviously, the multiplayer is the big part of that game. That's what everybody loved. So I, it's kind of an odd decision for them to just remaster the campaign and put that out. I get why they don't want to siphon the community and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but 20 bucks seems like a fitty, uh, a pretty fair price to me just for a remastered campaign. Yeah, I actually think this is a great deal. I actually am very tempted at picking it up because, like, big nostalgic vibes. Like, that is real talk, gang. Modern Warfare 2, I was a senior in high school, and I skipped my last period class to go to GameStop buy it. And so I feel like going to my high school right now and then skipping class and going out buy it for nostalgia's sake. No, but, like, it's just, it, it gives me so much nostalgia. And just to think, like, 
Fortnite skins are like 10, 15 bucks. So like mm-hmm. giving me something, uh, something tangible that is a single player game and then giving me all these perks like multiplayer skins and blueprints and having, you know, the ability to skip a tier or two. That's, that's really awesome. And I think they give you a lot here for 20 bucks. So to me, I'm, I'm actually all in on this and the achievement list isn't the worst thing in the world. Like call of duty on veteran mode is not hard. Yeah, I you mean, get two trophies for every mission you beat on veteran. Yeah, so it's oh, just wow. like, oh wow, okay. let's do it. Yeah. Let's yeah, it's again, it's <laughs> platinum. There trophy, is a trophy yes. in there. Yeah, there it is, is a, a platinum. It is platinum. Okay. Now here's the th- here's here's the big point of contention though. This is a 30 day exclusive on PlayStation 4. It will come to Xbox and PC at a later date. Now I put up a poll, and then realizing that the poll wasn't that great because of the wording. But whatever, let's do it. So I asked everybody on Twitter, how did they feel with three options? It's fine by me, not bothered by it, or this sucks and it's anti-consumer. With 40%, 40 40.9% of the vote, that's some Abe Lincoln status right there. It says, this sucks, it's totally anti-consumer. But tied at uh, second and third is, fine by me and not bothered by it. So my question for you guys... I'm going to start with Steve here. How do you feel about this month-long exclusivity? I think it's uh, some really unfortunate timing because this is probably a deal they signed with PlayStation a long time ago. Some of the reports were saying that Activision's had this waiting in the wings for a while now, and they've just been waiting a good time to release it. So this deal was probably signed a really long time ago, and it's just really unfortunate timing for the release. Obviously, it would be much better if this came out on all platforms, given everyone's circumstances right now. And it's a pretty bad look for Activision, but I don't know if there's much they could have done about it. Yeah. It does feel like they look like the bad guy when in terms should be PlayStation in, in all honesty, getting a lot of that blame as well. But I don't know, Kyle, what do you think? Like it's just business is business. We've seen these exclusive deals before it sucks, but it's, it's a reality, a sad one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very sad, sad one. I, I find it super weird, but, you know, like Steve mentioned and, and what uh, Kevin Butler in uh, chat was mentioning that, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably just something they've had lined up for a long time exclusive-wise and yeah. marketing deal-wise, and it just it's just a weird time to do it. Yeah. Like, they didn't really have a have a thing to do it. it, it it's, it's shocking to me that Sony didn't put out a state of play and have this be a part of it. Like, that is like last month or so. Or, yeah, or, you know it, that that is something to 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 consider. And for me, I think yeah, it sucks. Like I think the one that really sucks the most is the control DLC deal, where like Xbox folks won't oh, yeah. get it to like June. But I mean, last generation, this was the same thing with Xbox, mm-hmm. where they were getting in a month or like even like I think one point like three months. I don't know someone will uh, yeah me there about was that. I remember working at gamestop some uh some multiplayer maps DLC mm-hmm. were, were a couple months in advance on Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah. I just feel like time like I don't know certain timed exclusives make sense like Final Fantasy 7 mm-hmm. and I guess it's like we're picking and choosing here because like there's just some like okay Final Fantasy 7 I get it because when you think Final Fantasy 7 you are thinking PlayStation yeah but when I'm honest God thinking about like modern warfare 2. I am thinking about 360. I am mm-hmm. thinking about the dumb controller that I bought with it. Like, I'm thinking about all that, and I, 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 I feel it, it is. If it, it feels gross, just like how, to a lesser degree, it felt gross when 
uh, Xbox got the time exclusive deal with Tomb Raider. Yeah. And that was for like over a year. I just, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a time and a place for timed exclusives. I, maybe I'm just being picky about it, but I would like anybody's thoughts on that. Again, tweet uh, at us at PS Show for you, Mr. Bad Bit, and uh, Who Dat Ninja 73, and that nerd guy, Steve. And with that, Luke Lord does say in the chat yeah. it's a silly exclusivity window, unnecessary for this time. Doesn't matter much in the big picture, though. And I think it's, it is, it is lame and it's anti consumer and it is stupid, but yeah. it is what it is. Again, at the same exact time, I'm going to probably buy it <laughs> so with that kyle let's oh i'm actually reading this part of the news i i'm yeah go i don't i'm gonna come around from so like, okay I'm this. all right and i'm going to focus all of my energy on trying to read with dyslexia so let's do this and i had coffee before so this is gonna be interesting <laughs> this is a sad sad recurring segment called why would Can I you do it yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. No, no, you go for it. You go for it. I don't want to be rude. Randy, why would you fuck me like this? <laughs> <laughs> Sources. Despite huge sales, Borderlands 3 developers are getting stiffed on bonuses. This comes from Jason Schreier over at Kotaku. I made a Sparknotes version of it. It's a awesome, interesting read. If you want to get into the nitty gritty, go over to Kotaku. You know who Jason is. Give him a click because he did all the heavy lifting here. The first paragraph comes from him and it says, the video game Borderlands 3 was a big sales success when it launched last fall according to publisher 2K which described it as a billion dollar global brand. That's why it was shocking to employees at Gearbox that the developer of the game uh, when... uh, when the studio CEO, Randy Pitchford, told them yesterday they would not receive the significant royalty bonuses they expected. And now comes from the bullet point version. God help us all. First and foremost, one, Gearbox employees work below average salaries in the gaming industry with the trade-off of being a royalty-based system, similar to how companies like Toyota offer stock uh, as the company's form of bonuses to its employees. Uh, Gearbox gives quarterly bonuses to employees as a way of getting them to work harder to provide the best quality product in theory. Royalties uh, from the developers' games are split 60-40, with 60% going back into the company and its owners, while 40% is distributed to the employees in the form of quarterly bonuses. This worked for a while with huge successes like Borderlands 2 and was a selling point of getting people to work at the company. Two, the company being tight at Gearbox, or sorry, money being tight at Gearbox because of the failures of games like uh, Battleborn and Aliens Colonial Marines. Yes, I almost said Bloodborne by accident. Three, with production of Borderlands 3 in 2016, employees were promised a big payout towards the end of the project. That didn't happen. The game had sold very well. Quote, we expected lifetime units to be record a record for the series, said Zaus Zelnick, CEO of 2K parent company Take-Two, in an earnings call in February. But it cost way too much to make. One large factor was technology being swapped midway through development from Unreal Engine 3 to Unreal Engine 4 and added a great deal of time to the project. 
In addition, before Gearbox could receive any royalties from 2K, Borderlands 3 would have recouped not just the game's entire budget of over $95 million, but also the budget of all downloadable content, the sum closer to $140 million, thanks to the contract between the two companies. Pitchford also told employees that if they weren't happy with the royalty system, they were welcome to quit, according to those in the meetings. Now, I talked a lot there. But the short and sweet of it is this. They have a royalty-based uh, service. So in theory, yes, you get paid a little less. But if you make a really good product and that product sells, you would be able to cash out with these huge bonuses where back in the Borderlands 2 days, devs were paying off their homes. So this was a huge selling point for them for a very long time. I remember in certain interviews, this was a, a bragging point for the company. Now seeing this and seeing how... Randy Pitchford's pretty much told their staff and, and stiffed them while he's taking a multi-million dollar check. If you don't like it, you can quit. Kyle, this question goes out to you. Mm -hmm. As a huge Borderlands fan, how does this make you feel? And I'm not saying it as like I'm attacking you. I want I want to know mm -hmm. there's good people at Gearbox working their oh, ass absolutely. off for this game. Yeah. How how does this news strike you? That uh, the reason why it, it hurts me to hear this and to, to read this is because of the people that are there working their asses off for a product and then have uh i mean personally for me i've had bosses like randy say like hey you're gonna get all this and this and this and then it just never happens and, and it, yeah. it, it feels like a stab in the back it hurts uh i would like to think all of us probably had a situation like that at some point in our lives so we understand where they're coming from it's just like if you if you knew this wasn't going to happen right it, it wasn't they weren't all going to get all these huge bonuses that they were promised. I feel like it would have been a smart and it's not a smart move, a, a uh, ethical moral, a move mm -hmm. to be like, Hey, you know, this is, we won't be able to fulfill that promise and tell them way earlier than get all these hardworking folks that probably work their asses off on. Oh, I talked about this amazing DLC. I think last week uh, that they just put out, um, to like kind of rework of how those bonuses would get. And yeah, Randy did get what a $12 million bonus in 2016. Yeah. Um, I, I think they did say that it was out of the company 60%, but not the employees 40 Great. Uh, that he took it from. Uh, but still 12 million bucks. Like if again, this is you no know, more something like if I were in their shoes, I would totally give some of that money to the devs. Uh, just because I would, I would feel bad. I would not be able to sleep at night knowing I promised these people this thing. And I realize that's like most business, like CEO mindsets. They they don't feel that way. Yeah. Um. It just it's just really 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 shitty. And well, I feel for all the hardworking people there. Let me let me throw this at you here. Yeah. Kevin Butler writes in. They did yes a horrible shitty delivery of the news because Randy Pitchard is a real piece of shit. But they still did what they said they would do. They'd give them. 40% as of right mm. now. That's, that's what we know. So could we really be that upset at them? I mean, no, I guess not. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, it just always sucks when you're, you're looking forward to something and it never, it doesn't pan out. Right. Right. We, we always plan ahead. And when you can't 
fulfill on those plans. It kind of it just sucks. Well, not just that, but like the management who's getting the bigger cut is also the 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 one that's mismanaging the product or or projects, mm-hmm. right? Like, and we're not even talking about just like Battleborn, but like Aliens, Colonial Marines. Yeah, you know, at at the same mm-hmm. exact time, if this is a failure of management's part, they're making a fucking movie out of this, you know, franchise here. Like, yeah. They got the cash to to kind of go, hey, listen, I could take a $6 million uh, bonus instead of 12 and I could give it to my employees, make them happy instead of saying, if you're not happy with it, go suck an egg. Um, does this also, to you, Kyle, take away from your enjoyment of the game? Uh, and that's that's kind of where I struggle with it uh, mm-hmm. because I do love, 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 love this game. And I definitely want to support the people that made it. So, like, I'm still... I'm not going to take my steelbook copy and burn it in a fire. I'm not going to do that. I'm not one of those type of people. I'm still going to be playing it. And uh, as like a thank you to everyone that put in the time and work to create this extremely uh, incredible experience for me that I keep playing like months and months and months later. Um, It just, it, you know, it just stinks. Like it's knowing that you have management that treats employees that way. um, Just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, from all the stories we also hear is like the management or not even management, but the people behind the scenes trying to trying to get Randy Pitchford not to say stupid shit. Yeah. And seeing their hard work and trying mm-hmm. to balance that out and seeing them be screwed while he's walking away, walking away with a big sack of fucking money does I, does piss it, you off. It honestly feels like Randy is doing another one of his stupid fucking magic tricks again. <laughs> And he made all their bonus checks disappear. That's what it feels like. Here's the thing. I'm going to be real, real with you. And I'll get right to you, Steve. But I really do think, and maybe it's because I've watched his show and it's still embedded in my mind, Randy Pitchford is the Joe Exotic of video games. <laughs> He's on stage. It's all about him. Oh, my God. That's so right. Let me <sighs> show you a fucking magic trick. Let me be an egotistical asshole. Let me freak out when things don't go specifically how I say and how I want it to go. Yeah. Medieval um, times, the whole nine yards. Um, Steve, what about you? How do you feel about this news? Yeah, I, when I was reading this story for the first time this afternoon, I think I audibly out loud said, oof. And yeah. it was just, especially the end where he was like, if they don't like it, they're welcome to quit. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. what a slimy way to, mm-hmm. to say that and, mm-hmm. and to address the employees who are already kind of down. They're getting screwed out of some money. Yeah. Um, you know, you would hope that they're actually going to get more bonuses, too, on top of the DLC. But that budget was over 50 percent of yeah. the full games budget. So you got to imagine they're not going to get a whole lot from that as well. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely kind of gives you that double-edged sword of, of playing the game. You want to support so the developers do get more bonus money because you're buying the game. You're you're helping fund those bonuses. But it's also hard to justify, you know, supporting the publisher and, and the management over at Gearbox as well. Yeah, it's it's like this really tricky situation of this, like... <sighs> God, it's... It's like, I know the management there sucks. It's like, I know there's a few bad eggs there, but I know that overall the basket's full of really awesome people. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's that's the crummy thing of looking at it. It's just like, it's nothing to boycott about. It's, you know, it's nothing. It is something to get upset about. I hope people get what they worked very hard for and it shows. But like, it, it does seem like this was a mismanaged, you know, project and, the management walked away scot clean, and the people that were really getting punished were 
the people there. And I just hope maybe the, the model is, hey, with I don't know how it, it works for sure, but I'd like to hope this is the case of, hey, with all the DLC that comes out, the royalties from the said DLC or from the microtransactions will bleed on over into the next quarter and you'll get your money that way. But from what Jason Shire has talked about is this is the calm before the storm that there is a mass exodus uh, uh, forming at the company. And that is something to take into consideration in the next few months of how that's going to actually turn out or if, if, if at all, you know, it just sucks. But, you know, it, again, it's Randy Pitchford is this person is this figure in gaming that is kind of like, yeah, he is the Joe exotic. It's probably, he walked in. He's like, listen, it don't blame me. It's that dang bitch. Carol Baskin. Like that's, <laughs> That's where I'm kind of thinking. It's like, hey guys, it's not my fault. It's whatever. Like I'm, it, it's it's a dirty feeling, but it it's the sad reality of the industry, and that's what it is. With that, Kyle, we got some good news. Okay, all right, we got some some pretty great news actually. The reviews for Resident Evil Three are in. Kyle, would you like to read the first one from PlayStation Lifestyle's own? Oh, I channel? thought I was doing the second one. I thought you were doing the first one. No, because I've read a lot, and I, I don't want to... Okay, wanna, that's you know. fair. That's fair. Uh, PlayStation Lifestyles Chandler Wood writes, uh, more deftly balancing mobility and power with overwhelmingly horror. Resident Evil 3 still manages to find elements that cause tension and terror, despite giving players more ways to fight back. Nemesis tends to be an annoyance more than a true element of horror, but his orchestrated roadblocks are few enough in number that it doesn't drag down the overall experience. All said, Resident Evil 3 is a brilliant reimagining of the horror classic, with plenty of surprises in store, even for the longtime fans. It's a great partner piece to last year's Resident Evil 2, helping to reclaim the origins of the series that were once trapped in static environments and blocky characters lost to console's past. 85 out of 100. All right, pretty solid. This one comes from Easy Allies. Resident Evil 3 is a superb reimagining that complements last year's Resident Evil 2 by prioritizing frenetic action without compromising its horror roots. Jill and Carlos's emotional journey is bolstered by the threats that build their bond in convincing ways. While Nemesis remains one of the series' most memorable creations, more than a few surprises await the veteran residents of Raccoon City. Eight. Uh, 85 out of 100. And Steve, would you like to read the last one, sir? Sure. So this comes from VG247's Kirk McKean. It's still worth playing, but Resident Evil 3 Remake is a step backwards for Capcom, coming off the back of one of the best games of last year. It's gorgeous to look at, the jump scares will get you, and it's like stepping into a comfy pair of slippers. But even though your feet are cozy, it never feels like home. 6 out of 10. Oof. So, okay. Right now, though, the, the Metacritic is a solid 80. So it's a great game. It's just not at the levels that last year's remake was, which was this revolutionary like way of taking a game that you knew and loved and threw it into a modern setting and it feeling exactly like it belonged. Uh, for me, I was kind of expecting this because it's literally just a year after this game uh, or the, the, the second one's game uh, came out. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm expecting more of the same. I played Resident Evil 3 Remake's demo, and it felt like more the same, and I was totally in on it. So, for me, I dig it. At the same exact time, it being a five-hour story is a little is a little slim, 
uh, from that's and that's what pretty much everybody's like five to seven hours tops, depending on the difficulty. To me, it does go with what the speculation was is that Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 were supposed to be a comboed package deal. And I think if that was going to be the case, I think that would have been fucking wild. Now, Famous Seamus writes in, with uh, RE3 Remake now made, do you think Resident Evil 4 will get a remake soon, or is this game just too perfect to be remade? Steve, what do you think? This is a tough one, because on one hand, you have Resident Evil 2 doing incredibly well. Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to depend largely on the sales of RE3, despite some of the negative reviews. Um, if it is going to happen, they probably already have it in the works anyways, but that game is such a phenomenal game that still largely holds up. It's still getting ported to modern consoles. It's on the switch. Uh, so I don't know that it necessarily needs that big of an update. Uh, Mm. but I could definitely see Capcom going for the money grab on that one and and trying to bring it into the, the modern era. Kyle, you're nodding in agreement. What say you, sir? Um, I don't think Resident Evil 4 will be the remake that comes next. What do you think's coming next? I think Code Veronica might be the next Resident Evil game to get the remake uh, treatment? remake treatment, for sure. Why uh, is it, that? It's, well, it's it's older than RE4. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's still with these characters, I believe. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't play. I'm trying to think of the cover. Is it Jill or Claire? I, I, I think it's Claire. I think it's Claire. Yeah, but so I'm it's not still too following sure. Claire. Um, and okay. I just think... I think from what I've heard of Resident Evil fans that that game could use some work. Um, mm. it's, it, it had some missteps back then, so I think it's probably the best case scenario to get a remake uh, so more people can enjoy the game. But do you think, like, yeah, 4 is g- getting remade? Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably after we see Resident Evil 8. Okay. that's what i'm thinking too i think resident evil 4 is a shoe in to get remade i I know a Uh lot of i've never played it i definitely want to really bad again for those of newcomers i got into resident evil with seven um and my love for the games actually came from dead space because it was this love letter to the series uh from from what the developers stories tell so like to me i think it's a shoe in because of how popular four is and how popular two was and i don't think it's impossible i think it's very possible of them hitting it out of the park if they learn from what i can't even say mistakes but take their lessons from re3 and apply it to whatever code veronica is or that resident evil 4 remake and i think by that time they'll also be accustomed to the ps5 architecture and the xbox series x so i think that's totally right with that guys whoo this has been a Joe Talks A Lot episode. I apologize. But you know what, <laughs> gang? Are you holding on to something? Yes. Good. Prepare the drop. Each and every week, PlayStation drops the latest and greatest in all things PlayStation onto the PlayStation storefront. The only problem is that there are way too many amazing games to list. So each host picks a game of their choosing and talks about why they're hyped for it. My game is Resident Evil 3 Remake. Listen, I don't need to read you the description of this. Just know that I, your host, Joseph, along with Joe after work, will be talking about this game for The Road to Greatness. Kyle, are you going to join us on that Road to Greatness? I don't think I'll ever be able to afford the game at this point. Oh, no. So probably not. <laughs> All right. So it's just going to be me and Joe after work. And uh, Joe is a huge veteran of the series. He loves Resident Evil. When I, when I, 
tease them the idea of of doing this road to greatness, this review show for uh, Resident Evil Three remake. He just jumped on. It. He was like, "Yep, let's do it. Whenever mm-hmm. I'm going to beat this game by Saturday. Who cares? Let's do it." So, are you going to go in depth to the with online as well in that episode? Uh, uh depends on if the online works. Because <laughs> last weekend it was not. So I will though. I will uh, give it an honest try. From what I have heard, it is a lot like um, Dead by Daylight type of gameplay. Mm. So okay. I'm, I am interested in it. I will give it a shot. Uh, Steve, what's your pick, my man? Uh, my pick, you know, I got to give a shout out to Snakey Bus. It looked interesting, but I went yeah. with Final Assault for PlayStation VR. So Final Assault is an action-packed World War II-themed RTS built from the ground up to capitalize on the power of VR. Tower over the battlefield as war rages around you in 360 degrees. This new approach to classic RTS gaming utilizes compelling and immersive gameplay that can only exist in VR. Fight the battle, win the war. Uh, so this one actually has been out on PC, I think, for a year or so, oh, and really? it's finally coming to PlayStation VR. It got pretty good reviews when it came out last year, um, and it looks like a really interesting way to to adapt RTSs to VR. You kind of have like a, an iPad-looking thing with your units on it. You can drag and drop them and kind of oh, move cool. around the that's battlefield. A, yeah, that's actually super awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, because I'm a huge VR guy, and I'm a huge RTS fan, and that just speaks to me. Like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of not Medal of Honor. What was the the Sega game? Oh God, something Heroes. It's a World War II RTS. It was freaking amazing. But I love that Company game. of Heroes. Was it Company of Heroes? Maybe. It was fantastic though, and I loved it. Uh, Kyle, what was your pick, sir? Uh, this one's for you, famous Seamus. Uh, Persona Five Royal. Wear the mask. Reveal your truth. Prepare for an all-new RPG experience in Persona Five Royal, based in the universe of Personal Don. The the universe of oh persona i thought that exclamation point was an l my bad in the universe of persona don the mask of joker and join the phantom thieves of hearts break free from the chains of modern society and stage grand heist to infiltrate the minds of the corrupt and make them change their ways real talk Uh, i am i'm so excited to to hop in once i'm done with doom um because this is a game where i stopped playing i just read i just things happen i didn't go back yeah and I, i'm super super excited to just it's the perfect time to get into an rpg there's there's no place i gotta be i can spend many many hours dude grinding i'm so pissed at gamestop <laughs> 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 or at myself really because i had a pre-ordered at amazon and gamestop but my wallet was like joe you need to be responsible so i canceled the amazon one and now because of certain situations i yeah no way of getting the collectors. And now I'm seeing Famous Seamus. He posted on the Casa de Bad Bit Discord, just like you can too. And I'm just like, that collectors looks so dope. And it's yeah. only like 80, 90 bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. I have mine pre ordered in full at GameStop, but I, I'm not waiting. Here we I are. To, here we are. <laughs> Both of us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> None of us. Uh, with that, let's get into. Andy House's snail mail. Now, you guys know Andrew House, right? He hasn't worked at Sony for at least four or five years at this point. But it doesn't stop me, okay? I know. He gets those letters each and every week. You can write to us at PS Trophy Room, at Mr. Babbitt, at the Casa de Babbitt Discord server. Or you could send your mail to Andrew House. I fly over there or swim. However, I don't even care. And I go and I steal his mail. This week, you know how many letters we got? Not just one, not just two, not just three, but four pieces of mail. The famous Seamus asks, <clears throat> again, 
with Persona 5 Royal, an enhanced version of Persona 5 coming this week. What game would you like to see an enhancement of? Not just a complete, not a game of the year edition with all the DLCs. No, 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 no. But the total enhanced with gameplay improvements, extra stuff added. Joe, an extra extra challenge to Joe. Don't say Bloodborne. <laughs> Joke's on you. It's Dead Space. Give me Dead Space. Let's do it. If I can't, it has to be Dead Space. What are you improving about Dead Space? Yeah. Uh, really, not much because it's really perfect to me. But I just want to have like this confirmation of, yeah, EA is going to like, for me, it's not so much like the game needs to be improved because I think the first game is amazing. Hell, just give me like one and two kind of like remade. But to give the initiative to EA to say, people fucking want this game, they want a sequel. So give us a goddamn Dead Space sequel. That's what I would really like to see, <laughs> really more than anything. Uh, what, what say you, Steve? Uh, I'm going to throw it back to PlayStation 2. I'm going to go with the original Jack and Daxter game. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see that with some updated visuals, kind of round out some of those edges, mm-hmm. take out the more frustrating parts of the game, because there were definitely some frustrating challenges in there. Uh, but just just bring it into the modern gen. They ported it to PS3 and PS4 with the trilogy. Yeah. I'd love to see them, you know, really do a full remaster of it. I doubt we'll ever get it, but yeah. that would be awesome, dude. And I give it the Ratchet and Clank treatment. Yeah, exactly. And since like Naughty Dogs out there now doing The Last of Us and stuff, do you think that like Insomniac could maybe throw a team on that, like the Ratchet and Clank team, and go here, here's Jack and Daxter. Let's get crazy. Hey, Sony owns them now. They could they could definitely uh, try. I, I don't know how many other Sony uh, teams are out just kind of in waiting yeah. uh, for a project to work on. I'm sure they've all got their stuff going on with the PlayStation Five. But hopefully, you know, we get a, we get a few years into the generation. There's a team that needs a, a one or two year project, and yeah. and we can get something like that. Dude, that would be fantastic. That's a great pick. Way better than mm-hmm. Dead Space. Shit, Kyle. What say <laughs> you say? <laughs> uh, I'm also going back to PS2 days. Um, it's hard to pick one, so I'm giving you two. Okay. Uh, I'm going with Dark Cloud. Okay. Uh, which is one of one of my favorite PlayStation games of all time. Uh, just more dungeons to go through, um, more towns to recreate. Because it's. Have you ever played it, Joe or Steve? Have you played Dark Cloud? Never in my life. I've always saw the case, and I was just like, I remember as a dumb kid going, "Is that Link?" <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, basically like this uh, evil genie villain guy comes and he uh takes away the entire town and you go in the dungeons and you unlock everybody's houses and everybody and all the little pieces and then when you come out of the dungeon you rebuild the town and then every town person has like requests of like hey uh don't put me over here oh i really enjoy the water so put me by a river so like you have to keep it in t- in, in in track with everyone's uh, requests and stuff. First you have, off, are you about to shit on this game, Joe. I will jump through. This no, game. I'm about to shit on these <laughs> ungrateful villagers. You oh. just saved the fucking town. Now you it's want totally me to fair. be the moving guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's, the it's, fuck it's... do you get off? Uh, and, and the uh, the other one, uh, is, I don't think I need to explain why too much. It's bully. Mm. Um, mm. Just give me a, a, an enhanced version of bully. Uh, which is maybe kind of cheating because it also has to do with school but uh, like, in Persona 5. But, like, yeah, give me just more doing things in the school and, and freaking out and messing with people. Not just that, but, like, how does it change with the yeah. with the current climate and how, like, yeah. kids are in school now? Like, that is mm-hmm. actually a really 
good pick. I that, yeah. Would you rather see the rumored Bully Two or a remaster of the original? <sighs> Kyle, he's <laughs> this is the hardest choice he's had to make. <laughs> Since you made me kill the Vita. Uh, yeah, that's true. I would probably go full on, full on new Bully Two. Okay. okay. Yeah, because I I do have the classic on PS4. Like I could play Bully One right now, but like to see a bully made in the same love and care as like Red Dead Redemption Two or GTA Five. Yeah. Okay. Did you say Red Dead yeah. Redemption Two? Oh God. <laughs> no, I didn't. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin. Uh, the next question, Marcus O'Neill. He's got two of them. We're starting with one. Was March the best month for video game releases in recent memory, perhaps ever? I fully acknowledge that there's some recency bias here, but hear me out. We had seven major releases with a score 84 or higher on Open Critic, right? You had Persona 5 Royal, you had Half Life Alex. Please put it to PSVR, please. I don't want to buy an Oculus, but I will because <laughs> it looks so cool. Animal Crossing at uh, a 91, Ori at a 9, Doom Eternal at 89, Neo 2 at 86, MLB The Show at 84. I checked, and no month in the past 1.5 years even comes close to the diversity of big titles with such a critical with such critical acclaim. Are there any months or short periods of time that you can recall that might rival? March 2020. I got one. 2016, baby. May. You had Doom. You had Uncharted. You had Overwatch. And who could forget? I think Battleborn came out then, too. <laughs> that is a hot month. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those are three game of the years contenders, right? Like, Doom 2016, obviously game of the year contender. Overwatch, holy shit, game of the year. For me that year, Uncharted, I mean... Enough said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, is there anything in recent memory to you? Going back to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe not in terms of just like bona fide hits mm-hmm. uh, seemingly coming out every month. But being able as an adult to appreciate a new console launch and, and being up in the fervor of getting the new P- PlayStation 4 and picking up all these different brand new games to, to, to play. Mm. there's something special about like getting all this new new stuff on this brand new thing so it it comes pretty close but like all these games are so good and we're very spoiled spoiled right now and to think that that doesn't include like last of us being delayed it does include final fantasy which we'll be getting in nine days me two weeks because stupid shipping if you're Um, in australia like now yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, cyberpunk, like it, it would have been even more jam packed if those guys were still here. So, yeah. we live in a society, guys. <laughs> we live in a society. <laughs> what say you, Steve? Is there anything in recent memory where you're like, "Oh shit, that was a month"? Yeah. So May 2016 was actually going to be my original answer, but I when I read this question, I remembered that there was a Kotaku article posted a few months ago about a specific month. So I went back and found it. It was about November 2004. And after reading this list, I, I don't know that there will ever be another month like it. The games released in November 2004, just to name a few, were World of Warcraft, Half-Life 2, Metroid Prime 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Halo 2, Counter-Strike oh, Source, Killzone, Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, EverQuest 2, Mario Power Tennis, Jack 3, and the DS launched. Uh, so that's on top of other games. There's a Ratchet & Clank game. There's all sorts of stuff. 
So, shit. <laughs> you know, I think Ratchet and Clank and the DS was probably the only things I played out of that list at the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how any month is ever going to beat that. Yeah. Steve, yeah. do you, do you uh, listen, you said World of Warcraft. You want to know a little history lesson about World of Warcraft? I absolutely want to know a history lesson. Here we go. Kyle doesn't want to, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, here we are, Burning Crusade. Now, uh, next question on the list. This comes from the hype caster himself, Antonio Guillen, who is a father now. He has hey. a child. Wow. Congrats. Congrats, buddy. No, it's scary. We all know Antonio here. It's, it's, but you know what's really beautiful? He said, Joe, you want to know what I named the kid? I was just like, what? And he's just like, Josephina. I named it Josephina after you. That's true. I didn't lie right there. It's That's that's his kid's name. Anyway, I miss the days when a console... I was expecting at least a chuckle, goddammit. I miss the days when a console launches inevitably... Uh, sorry, inevitably includes some new out-of-left-field IP. Uh, what games would... Uh, what genre would some new IP serve the PlayStation 5 well at launch? Meme words. What's going on with me today? Um... Dude, I'll say it right here, right now, anything that's an RTS, like, you know, you were just talking about that World War II game. I'm totally in, Steve. What do you think? What's the genre that deserves a new IP at a launch of a console? Well, I mean, I was trying to think this through to think about the first party games they have. You know, they kind of have some RPGs. They got some open world games. They obviously have narrative locked down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really have a good first person shooter and they don't have an RTS, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I I would struggle to say they'll bring back Killzone. I don't think that's very likely to happen. The answer it's is just... resi- resistance, Steven. Ah, now see, that's <laughs> a game I hadn't considered, but that's not a new IP. It's not a new IP. So if we're talking new IP, mm-hmm. uh, bring back Agent. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh yeah. I love, Kyle, how you like you keep up to the mic. <laughs> Let's go in. Kyle, what say you, sir? Uh, for me, when I think of uh, a console launch... And it's not really, well, yeah, I guess it, it would be like a new IP. Sure. Give me a good platformer on console launch. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about Knack. Uh, like a decent decent platformer in right. some way, shape, or form. But I also agree, it'd be super cool to have like a first-person shooter. Yeah. Uh, now, would IP. a 2D Astrobot game, like outside oh, of VR, would that yes. count as a solid platformer? Yes, Fuck it yes. would. Yes, it yeah. would. Yeah. <laughs> so Astrobot's so good, it's... Oh, God, I can't wait. There there will be a sequel. It will happen again. Oh, uh, yeah. This is the final question that Marcus O'Neill wrote to us. Uh, and I want—I was going to give this question to you, Kyle, but I wanted to say it just because of the first word. Are you ready? I'm ready. Sabotage. Studios recently announced the follow-up game Sea of Stars. It's pitched as a retro-inspired turn-based RPG set in the world of The Messenger. I've remarked that this couldn't be more of a Marcus type of game if uh, if tried. So I was wondering what would be the ultimate Joe game or what uh, the ultimate Joe game looks like. What would it be? What does the world look like? Tone, etc. What is a Kyle game? Or Nerd Guy Steve game. And just to make it a little bit more fun, come up with new IP. Sorry, Joe. No Bloodborne 2. I feel attacked, guys. Uh, Steve, I'm going to throw this to you. What is what is a Nerd Guy Steve game? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does it taste like, sir? So I enjoy shooters a lot, and mm-hmm. I enjoy strategy games a lot. So I was kind of thinking back. I had the white Star Wars Battlefront PSP back in the day and Star Wars Battlefront Renegade Squadron or whatever it was called on there. 
Um, and there was a mode in there where you, there wasn't a whole lot of strategy involved, but you essentially had to conquest from planet to planet. And when once you decided to take over a planet, you'd go and fight the actual battle, battlefront style Ooh. on the planet to win it. Okay. And so something similar to that, where there's a strategy on the overworld, and then you got to go actually play the game, play the shooter, whatever it may be, on the ground. Uh, the time period, the world, I haven't quite, quite thought that out. I, I typically do like more sci-fi games. Um, so I, I'll just put it in there. I'll put it in more of a, a, a space setting, but not necessarily Star Wars. Just right. just kind of sci-fi space, okay. maybe a little bit more Star Trek to it. It sounds like a, like an even more in-depth Total War game, yeah. and I'm totally in on that. I love it. Kyle, what say you, sir? Um, it's, it's 100% a, uh, JRPG, um, but it is set in a, um, science fiction world, uh, kind of like Mass Effect, um, where you're hopping between planets, um, but, but this, but instead, like, if you die in battle, uh, it suddenly turns into, like, a roguelike, and Mm. so, like, you have to, like, start from that point on and pick up where your father or your mother ended, as okay. their son or daughter, and and continue their legacy that way. Um, that's that's where my my brain went first uh, when it came to like new IP. Um, but like when it comes to like already establishing, just because it happened right before the show, and I can't believe it might actually happen. I swear to God, Cellar Door Games, if this is an April Fool's joke, I will riot. Uh, they tweeted out. Uh, well, first of all, Solidar Games is responsible for one of my favorite games of all time, Rogue Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the reason why I love roguelike games so much. They tweeted out a picture of the, the sword from Rogue Legacy with just the two on it, and the tweet said, hashtag April 2nd. And that is a Kyle-ass game, if I've ever heard of a Kyle-ass game, is that just thing. So I, if, if you're listening to the show today, and, and it's April 2nd, I swear, you, I might be happy or I'm crying in the corner. Either one. <laughs> either one. Just know. Yeah. I'm feeling some sort of emotion. For me, uh, I was going to like foolishly go, it's going to be a Victorian horror setting. There's a dodge. There's a <laughs> roll mechanic, a parry. It's born blood. <laughs> it's born with blood. Yeah. No, but uh, I love a game with a good dodge. I love that. And like, I'm not, like, when I'm playing a game like Bloodborne, or just games in general, I'm never parrying. I can't get the timing right, but there's something about a dodge that feels so good. Like, if you got a dash in a game that feels good, like like a Bloodborne, like Doom Eternal, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, when you get those timed dodges right, it just feels super good. So I would love... So a NASCAR game. Yeah, like, NASCAR. Nail. Uh, I was going to say nail you hard. <laughs> <laughs> Was this so Neil Neil June? No, Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. No. Um. To me, I love a good fantasy game, action fantasy. Um. You could take something that kind of looks like Fable with the combat of an Assassin's Creed or like, like a From Software title with the item management of like, let's just say a Destiny, because I love the how, and I feel like this is the one thing that From Software doesn't get right. Or, or, or that I don't see from them, which is, man, I want a cool looking sword. I want a cool looking armor. I want to know that I'm uh, the, the the higher level I'm getting, the more badass I'm becoming. 
That's what I would really like to see. So I would love a fantasy setting. Put some fucking wizards in there. Uh, but don't let the fucking townspeople tell me that I got to move their carts and I got to. They don't like where their home was eviscerated because giving them bad memories is me move you to a fucking river. No, Janet. I just saved your kingdom, Karen. You can do that shit yourself. I got a dragon to slay. Jesus. Yeah, no one. No one's asking the Doomslayer to rebuild Earth. Yeah, and you know what, Karen? No one gives a shit about your kid. Okay. I I kind of want that game though. I want the Doomslayer to redecorate Earth. That's the an, that's the Animal Crossing crossover. That's there where it's is. coming. That's where it's coming. With that said, that has been the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast this week, man. So good. Even with me stumbling with my words and my dyslexia coming at me pretty fierce. But hey. You know what? It is what it is. Before we go, Nerd Guy Steve, where can people find you, sir? You are fantastic tonight. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nerd Guy Steve. Uh, you can find Speedrun on all major podcast platforms. It, just search Speedrun and it should pop up. Uh, you can also follow at GlitchPoint on Twitter for show updates. I usually post what we're talking about in the show every day around noon, and the show posts every weekday morning. So you can check it out there. Awesome. Man, again, you are fantastic. So everybody, go over. Check him out. Check his content out. Subscribe. The five stars. You know what to do because you're going to do it. When, when, when you're done here, you're going to rate the trophy room five stars, right? Because we're five <laughs> five-star reviews away from 69 reviews. Hell yeah. Makes Let's pretty go. Cool. I know, right? It's pretty cool. Dude. It's pretty cool. Kyle? Yes. Any last words? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Ninja 73 on Twitter and on PSN. Uh, my show, all about the best friends of the kind of funny community. Best friends talk funny is at BFS Talk Funny on Twitter. Uh, this week I had a wonderful Alex O'Neill from Irrational Passions on, so go give that one a listen. Um, and if you're ever in New York after this whole uh, quarantines, uh, you hit up kindofnyc.com to see any future meetups we're doing in the area, as well as finding our gaming show, Platform Agnostic, and Dollar Slice Pod. Bam, there you go. And like always, you can find this podcast in video form at youtube.com slash badbitgames. You can find us over at iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your RSS feed service, you can always find us there. So with all that said and with all that out of the way, everybody, keep hunting, keep playing PlayStation, wash your dang hands, and to the live audience, thank you all so much, and keep playing PlayStation.